Hey, everyone. Daniel, like so many people, both inside and outside of the PCT class of 2020, was impacted by Trevor Microsoft Lair's passing last year. And so I want to take this opportunity again, one more time, to get the message out there that there is snow in Southern California, in the Apache Peak and San Jacinto areas. And it can be dangerous, very, very dangerous, if not deadly. So take it seriously. And please don't shortchange your safety at the expense of grams and ounces. Develop sound risk management strategies before you hit the trail. And please embrace the alternate. And now let's get on with the episode. You all of a sudden kicking steps up and using an ice axe, you're carrying a backpack on your back that is close to 30 pounds, 35, 40 pounds because of all your snow gear and the food to get you through. And you look down and you're all of a sudden in a place where if you fall, you're not going to come off. You're not going to walk away from it. And I'd all of a sudden got myself into this situation and you you can't turn around, you can't stop, nobody else is going to carry your bag for you, you've gotten yourself into this situation and now you have to get yourself out of it. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast, where we get to pull up a seat at the campfire and have a conversation about all things through hiking. I'm Erin Egan, and today's guest is Tails, known off-trail as Daniel Vorster. He came from South Africa to hike the PCT last year. Having started in mid-March, he was already on the trail when the lockdown happened. In this episode, we talk about how the experience of through hiking changed because of the pandemic, from an easier time finding campsites to the way he chose to share the experience on social media. And along the way, he tells a few tall trail stories, shares his experience with post-trail depression, and what he lost and found during those six months and three days. You can find this episode at hiking-through.com, as well as on our brand new Hiking Through channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Tails. Welcome to the Yo, podcast. You're just pulling this out of people. You've got a natural knack for this, by the way. Thank you very much, Erin. It's great to be here, man. <laughs> well, thank you for, for reaching out and uh, wanting to, to come on and, and talk about 2020 and uh, how it yeah. kind of, uh, I think as you put it in your original uh, DM, uh, how you lost and found things out on the trail. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. You you lose your mind, you lose yourself, you, you you lose all these things and you somehow find it along the way and it, everybody waits for this great epiphany, you know, doing a trail like this. They think there's going to be this moment where everything clicks and it didn't happen for me the entire trail until a month or two after the trail when I was sitting there and started looking at myself and I'd honestly changed completely. It was it was funnily enough a phone call that I had at home with a friend and he said, you sound completely different. He's like, it's changed you. And I was like, 
I didn't even realize it had, you know, and, and then you started to know, I started to notice all these little things about me. It definitely had changed me. Like what? It was, I was, I was always a people person. I liked to be around big groups of people and in a busy room and I'd find myself going out and I just want to go home or I'd, I'd want a smaller circle of friends because I'd built such intimate and deep connections with people out there that the connections that I'd made with just random people didn't hold any weight. I mean, it was, it, there's always value in meeting somebody new, but it's a completely different set of circumstances when you spend six months walking with somebody every day and no conversation is ever a small conversation it always almost immediately snowballed into the larger questions of life and you you figure things out so quickly because you're having these deep conversations while seeing these incredible things and it's it's almost like the experience snowballs itself into becoming too big to even fathom and when you do actually stop and have the time to fathom what's actually happened, then you only start seeing these little nuances and these little pieces that you were like, wow, that's actually changed me. That's actually, and it, it can be something as simple as, as I used to enjoy going out with friends and now I'd just like to meet one or two friends and rather hang out with them instead of hanging out with 20 people. So it was a very different sort of, way that it happened for me i don't know if anybody else sort of felt that out there but it was i noticed the larger change towards the end of the trail almost like you were you were uh integrating all the small pieces that had been happening along the way definitely and as soon as i started getting out the photo albums and the videos and and re-watching back this like daily journal that i took i then I only started seeing the change in what I was talking about. In the beginning, I was talking about like, wow, the scenery is beautiful. And um, I wonder what today is going to hold. And by the end of it, I was like, we're doing this many miles today. These are the conversations we've been having. This is what the group's morale is like. This is what my morale is like. And it went completely from an outward perspective to an inward perspective. I started talking about myself a lot more, which I never really did before the trail. I was just going along with the flow and taking everything in. And all of a sudden everything was already in me and I was expressing that. And the trail definitely gives you a form of honest expression because the people out there are so raw and so real. And it definitely takes a special breed of character to walk 2,500 miles North. And the bonds you form out there are just not instantaneous, but very, very long lasting. And they, they give you the space to be expressive almost naturally without you even thinking it happens. It, it doesn't trick you into it happening, but it almost, you find yourself doing it so naturally. It's, it's funny that you say that because I feel like a lot of people have that epiphany along the way like they're finding something that was yes. already really within them um but for whatever reason they have yes. taken time to explore or or think through yeah i don't know there was always a, i had this running comment that you weren't out there to find yourself you were there to lose the person 
that you never really were. And towards the end of the trail, you left, you're left with such an honest version of yourself that you actually look back and be like, who was I before I did this walk? Was I, <laughs> was I even, was I even the real me or it, the trail completely strips you of who you're, you're not meant to be and really does show you that if you are yourself and the most honest version of yourself, the people that are gravitated towards that real you are phenomenal and they do carry you through some of the worst times you can go through. I've had a number of people tell me that the person that they find on the trail and it's almost like the personification in their trail name. So, you know, insert trail name is the best version of myself yeah. type of thing. Yes, no, definitely. That's, that's, it's so true. And you, you late in later on in months, you hang on to that so tightly that it sometimes frustrates you that you can't be that same person out on the trail because it's a completely different world. Mm-hmm. This world, the, the real world and the tr- life on trail becomes two completely separate things and towards the end of it that's the real world and you're coming back to this alternate reality that you don't even want to come back to to be dead (laughs) honest I mean some people they get to it and they want to leave but if I'm honest I would have turned around and just walked straight back south if I could have just keep yo-yoing back and forth Oh yeah, no, it's definitely bitten. The bug's bitten. They say they say when the bug bites, it bites hard. And I, I never thought I'd be one of those people. And it's comp- I'm infatuated with it now. <laughs> Is what you're doing now a manifestation of that of the new sort of person that you found on the trail? In terms of work and what I'm doing now with my life, yeah, I'd always been in this job. Or okay. not always. It was, I'd been doing this for about five years. And then when I left the trail, there are sort of different aspects to the job. So you can get a more stringent vessel or a stringent boat and you can get a bit more of a relaxed atmosphere. And I definitely, when I left the trail, I wanted something with a more relaxed atmosphere that was going on a bit more of an adventure. And that's how I found myself here in Costa Rica now. Well, I guess explain a little bit of what you're doing now uh, so that the people who are listening can um, can understand what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so I'm 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 pretty much a I, I work on a private yacht. It's owned by owned by a guy and he's doing a round the world trip with his family and I'm one of the crew members. It's it's like below deck but without the or without all of the fake tv drama and the nonsense like that i mean we do work at sea and we do have our little niggles here and there but it's become a very much family-like atmosphere and culture and um we're going around the world and along the way we're seeing these incredible things and seeing these amazing places and I think how the trail relates to me doing that now is I would have before just looked at the money. How much money can I get from doing this? And now I'm looking at what experience can I get from what I'm doing? Does that, does that sort of benefit me as a person instead of financially? How I know that, that 
COVID has kind of messed with those plans a little bit, but how long was the original journey supposed to take? This trip around the world? Yeah. We're going for two years. Okay. We're going for two years. So this trip started four months ago in West Palm Beach in Florida, and we've just made our way south, and then we're in the Pacific Ocean now heading west, and where we end up due to COVID is anyone's guess. The plans (laughs) can change from one week to the next. So... Yeah. It's a factor of life that everyone's dealing with and we're all dealing with it in our own way. But um, I'm definitely grateful to be where I am and experience the things I am, um, especially in such a period of lockdown. It's not a bad place to be locked down on a yacht. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah, there are definitely worth, worst places. Um, yes. I wanted to circle back to something we had been talking about before we started the episode but I feel like it was so important. And that was, we were talking about your presence on social media during your, your PCT hike. Cause your PCT hike was in 2020. Um, yes. and that you yes. didn't do much posting. Um, and kind of, no, no, we said was, before that I was going to have, I was going to have a larger social media presence. Um, you know, it's a very easy way for friends and family to keep up with you. And, you know, when in 2019, when other people were doing their PCT hike, I followed along with them and lived vicariously through them and looked at the gear they were using. And it was a massive resource for information. And 2020 came along and COVID hit and there was all of this sort of backlash to those that were carrying on hiking and i posted one or two pictures and there were one or two comments that were why are you still out there what are you doing and i just thought well i'll withdraw from that form of expression and i'll kind of won't post on social media anymore i'll more look at this taking the hike in for myself which i was already doing originally but i just thought that that would be a good avenue to share it with friends and family and I think I said earlier that that sort of changed things for me because when you are out there there is this little back ticker in your head oh would that be good for social media would that be good for a post and because I had sort of taken that away and out of the equation I started taking photos and videos for different reasons and that was almost more of like a I was grateful for it. In the beginning, I kind of resented the resentment from other people. But a month later, I was I was grateful for it because I was taking photos, thinking about friends laughing and sending them vlogs of experiences that I, have, that I was having that I wish they could share with me. And I started remembering the journey for different reasons while I was doing the journey. And it was, it benefited me greatly. I, I look back on all the photos and I think, to myself, I really wouldn't have wanted it any other way. So something that initially was a, a not a hindrance, but a, um, a, a ding, a, okay, this is going to change my trip in, you know, some way type of thing. became yes, in X, Y, and Z way. It was a bump in the road, mm-hmm. became a positive thing. And yeah, to be honest, that is how the entire COVID experience was. On the trail, I mean, I'll jump into this right now, but in the beginning, when we didn't really know if we should be out there or not, and it, the lines were very, very blurred, 
there were a lot of internationals and I mean by that I mean people that had come from overseas and you know our exchange rate isn't as strong as the dollar and um, the financial factor is involved and just you couldn't go back home there wasn't a flight home and you can't just go and sit in a hotel for months on end waiting to get home the decision was made to walk north and Mm -hmm. it was made very very quickly we were going to Canada that's what was happening and people called us selfish people called us arrogant and uncaring but then all of a sudden something started happening in the trail towns that we were in and the hitches that we were getting and the trail angels that were helping us they were they were cheering us on they were they were grateful we were there they were almost so excited to see us and we were taking every precaution we could we were being as respectful to the trail towns the airbnbs the hotels the hitches as we could and they were were pulling us in even tighter they were saying come on get in the car we'll help you don't worry we'll help you get there you're not alone some people have abandoned you but we're still here you know we're helping you get north and that that the sense of community was hit hard and 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 put through this hard thing but to know that there was still a community and there were those in the community that were still helping us get there was unbelievable the gratitude for that was i mean still to this day i get choked up thinking about how kind the people along the pct are i kind of call it this vein that runs along the west coast and along these separate trail towns and hikers are just the blood that runs through this artery running up the west coast of america and these little trail towns were just so happy to see us because some of these people had opened businesses specifically catered to hikers they put their life savings into opening um, bed and breakfasts and hiking shops and gear shops knowing that it's a growing industry and all of a sudden there was this massive loss of of finance and a couple of us were there and we were there to help them you know when we went to a restaurant if we were allowed in the tips were bigger when we when a trail angel would stop and they said they didn't want any money we'd insist when we'd leave airbnbs we'd leave a little bit of extra money for the cleaning staff or for the struggling airbnb you know just to help them out and say thank you stay here stay strong the community is coming back we, in fact we haven't gone anywhere we we stand by you it's it's a difficult thing that we have to face together and we did it as safely and as responsibly as we were allowed to but we were there for each other and i want people to understand that i was thousands of miles away from home and all i had was this community i didn't have anyone else I'd, I'd landed in San Diego on my own alone thousands of miles from anybody and you start this walk wondering what's going to happen in a week in you hear about this disease and the first people you turn to are the people around you and i mean the people I, i'm i'm so grateful that the people i turned to were hikers and through hikers because they're incredibly resilient it's unbelievable they it's a community like no other and i experienced it in a very very trying time and that made it really really special you truly truly got to see people at their quote unquote worst 
and yes. rise to the occasion, so to speak. And and they and they rose to the occasion. I mean, I lost half a tooth halfway through a trail. I think it was, I think it was in Tehachapi. And one of the trail angels out there, I won't mention any names, an older couple, I'm sure all the 2020 hikers know them. She waited outside of the dentist for me for four hours, crocheting in her car because I needed to get my tooth fixed to carry on getting north and welcomed us into their home and made us coffee. And we said, aren't you scared? And they said, who else is going to help you get, who else is going to help you get there? Where are you going to sleep tonight? Can we do anything for you? Do you need to go to the shops? And I mean, when you're that far away from home and you haven't had a home cooked meal in a really long time, and there's this old lady you've never met in your life offering to help you out and giving you stickers. It's a silly thing, but man, it means a lot. Eh? It really, really does. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how people step step up step into the breach so to speak and um yes and pick people up literally and figuratively um you know to get yes through. definitely definitely from your lowest moments of of wondering how we are going to get into town to all of a sudden somebody is there in in a car with a van and all your worries are immediately gone for the next two days. And it becomes this little vortex of we've got to get north, but wow, do we really want to leave? You know? <laughs> this is amazing. And it was, it was crazy. These they, people call it a vortex and these little vortexes. And it, it, and that's what was so different is it wasn't a vortex because there were parties happening. There were vortexes happening because of the kindness and generosity shown from these individuals. And I mean, I would have given that woman the shirt off my back if she'd asked for it. I mean, <laughs> it was anything to show the gratitude for them, you know, and it wasn't just one case. It was multiple cases. I mean, we met some, some cowboys coming out of Aguadolce and they said, you guys going North? And we said, yes. And they were just like, hell yeah, don't stop. You can do it. Don't, don't let anybody stop you. And the next 10 miles, feel like you're floating on a cloud just because somebody rides past on a horse and is like is behind you you know and there were those little instances that really really made it special how many people how many people were you hiking with or or were kind of in your in your group in your bubble i started with i started on my own and within i think it was the second day I met three other people and we hiked together for about 3 weeks and then I met three other internationals, two French guys, um, a South Korean and the girl that I'd hiked with on the second day from the Netherlands and me. And the five of us went all the way to the Sierras. And then we started hiking through the Sierras. I think we hiked with another five or six people. So we were quite a big group going through the Sierras. And then... Uh, we carried on with that, and I'd say the average was like between ten and eleven, and we actually finished wow. with eleven of us. That is a big group. Yeah, there was a big group of us. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And you get, and it was very funny that like we didn't really have trail names because there weren't 
that many people out there to give them. And then I only got my trail name a month before I finished. And we sort of had group names, you know, like the Samba crew or the crew with a South African in it or something <laughs> like that. And by the end of it, we were, everybody was just this whole, we were the, the 2020 group of hikers, you know, mm-hmm. you don't even hike with some of the people, but you see their names in the trail registries in the trail book and you're like, they're still on trail. They're still going. Gone, gone, you know, don't stop. Keep pushing. We're right keep pushing. behind you. We're coming. Yeah, <laughs> keep pushing. Keep hike on. So I the, feel like the sense this, of community. Yeah, I feel like this year, because of this, or sorry, last year actually, because of the situation, because of how everything came together, was almost very much the 2020 class on the PCT was very much an international hiker class. I mean, there were some Americans and that kind of thing, but it Definitely. was really people coming over, people traveling in and then sort of got stuck and, and had, like you said, no choice. Yes. Like it's like walk North. That's, that's what we're going to do because that's the best option we've got. That's what we're going to do. You know, that was, yeah, the, the only option we had was, was to keep on keeping on, you know, <laughs> and it, it wasn't to be disrespectful to anyone. It was, it was literally what we had to do. And I mean, it was, I think, hands down the best year. We had the entire trail to ourselves. People talk about getting to campsites and having to walk another two, three miles at the end of a long day to find a camp or not being able to sleep because there's too many people making noise or trash being left out all over the trail. And there was none of that. No. I mean, Jackie at Triple Crown Outfitters, I might be getting the numbers wrong, but she said she had only had 5% of the hikers came come through that had come, had come through in 2019 we had the entire trail this this part to ourselves we had mm-hmm. the woods to ourselves and i think as much as we gave the trail for being there i think it gave us something back i think it gave us that exclusivity back we 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 looked after the trail and we made sure that we left it better than we found it for the class of 2021 like trail magic doesn't just happen when something when somebody gives you something it's as simple as walking in front of somebody else and using your hiking pole to push a stick out of the way so that they don't trip over it or moving a log so that somebody else doesn't lose momentum when they're coming on and they're coming up the uphill or somebody's trash might have fallen out of their pocket and they didn't know. And instead of walking past it, you pick it up and put it in your pocket. And there was a massive culture for that this year on the trail. We really tried to make sure that we weren't remembered as they resented us. And so we're going to resent them that, that, that ethos of leave it in a better way than you found it for the people, for the future generations was instilled from the beginning. Did I'm trying to, Think, did you launch from Scout and Frodo's or did you launch from a hotel or hostel or something? No, they were, they were closed. They were already closed. Scout and Frodo weren't taking any, but I was too early. I was too early. No, I was too early for Scout and Frodo's. Got it. Because I'd started on the 7th. So yeah, I started on the 11th. I landed in San Diego on the 7th and then stayed in a few, in a hostel over there and then made my way to the Southern Terminus and then started on my own. And then. That was pre-COVID. You didn't know anything about right. it. So 
Yeah. It was very weird. It was very weird. I'd started on my own and I thought there was going to be this massive group of people that I'd start with. And I ended up starting on my own and only at camp later on that night or along the trail, walked past a few other people. And that's when you, well, that's when it really sets in is like, where are you going? And, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Canada. And they're like, oh, me too. And it's okay. Well, we'll, we'll see you there. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot of each other. <laughs> yes. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it was, that like- was great. It was. I feel like last year's trail was almost a throwback to 10, 15, to pre-wild times in terms of just the amount of That's, people on the trail. You Exactly, exactly. The amount of people that we saw that said, especially in Kennedy Meadows North, and they said, we haven't seen the trail like this since 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And those are the days when a PCT hiker came through that it made town news. It was, <laughs> there's a PCT hiker in town and, and everybody wanted to help them, help them out. And I think this, that last year harkened back to those old days when the PCT hikers are here. And the further north we got, the more they were like, they're still going. People are still going to do it. The, the, the trail will still, it, it won't be this ghostly forgotten track that's overgrown Mm. and it was definitely we heard that more we now that you say that we heard that so much that people hadn't seen the trail like this since way back when because people live along the trail they see this every year come and go it's a it's a new experience for a lot of people but for a lot of people along these trail towns they 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 see this every year and they said we we haven't seen it like this in years but we are still so glad to see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I, uh, I grew up in a, in a small town in Washington called Leavenworth, which is sometimes one of the places that people dump out from the trail, come into town and restock and yes. resupply and that kind of thing. And I grew up in the 70s and 80s. And it's so funny because I seriously don't remember ever hearing about seeing you know hikers coming through or the pct or anything like that even though it's literally in the neighborhood so to speak um yes because it was there were so few people who were doing it at that point yes they were and then and then like you say pre-wild days with reese witherspoon (laughs) running jokes about that on the trail and um and sort of made the trail a bit more known a bit more more yeah. people know about the trail so more people are going to try and do the trail and i don't care if you're out there for one day or one month if you're hiking on the pacific crest trail you're with a group of people that really understand what it's about and are really willing to help each other and there was None of the snobbiness that oh, you're only a section hiker mm. or you're only doing from this town to this town, which I've heard there has been in the past that it was the through hikers versus everyone else. And there was none of that this year. And, um, it was just great to see. I mean, I met a, I met a lady who'd, she was in the 17th year of section hiking the trail and we met her in her last 50 miles of completing the PCT. Oh, and that was just. That was incredible to meet her. And we met another lady who was doing 
a lake tour of the PCT. She was swimming in every single lake along the trail. <laughs> and we were just like, that's crazy, you know, <laughs> that's crazy. But you meet these people and they've got phenomenal stories, you know, and it was super interesting. So the woman who was doing the lake tour, was she literally hiking the entire thing and just making sure to hit the lakes as she went or? Yeah, hit the lakes as she went. She was coming south. Oh, and okay. I think we saw her. Where did we see her? I can't remember. I think we were still in Northern Oregon where we saw her. I might be wrong. And she was like, oh, there's a great lake up there. And there's a great lake up there. And we're like, oh, that's fantastic. Like, in fact, I can tell you about some really good lakes that you should stop and swim in. And we were like, how do you know all this? And she was like, well, you're going to think I'm kind of weird, but I'm trying to swim in every single lake along the trail. On the trail. She wasn't going to walk to every single one yeah. that you can see, but she swam in quite a few of them. Yeah. No, it's funny. It's It just reminds me how everybody's hike, everybody's journey is unique to them. And so the moments that are impactful for them or that are important for them can be so different. And it's not until you say she's doing a lake tour of the PCT that you think about what that could mean, what that would mean if you were doing it with that in mind versus something else. Mind. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody thinks, if you're doing the PCT, you either go north or you go south. But you could do a burger tour of the PCT. You could do, <laughs> you could do a pie tour, tour, a dessert <laughs> tour. The, a pie, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there were so many things that are so unique to the PCT, but that you find along the way. And it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's very strange when you do look back. And I haven't thought about it that way, but there's multiple ways to do the trail. And it's constantly evolving. It's it's an incredible thing. Yeah. So so what was your way of doing the trail? Slowly, I'd say. I people were always saying that they were gonna do this many miles a day and this was gonna be the way they ended and they had this date in mind that they were wanting to end. And because I'm South African, I had a visa restriction, I had to finish the trail in six months. So I said to myself, I'm going to walk on this trail until 11.59 on the last day that I'm allowed to be in the States. I want this to last as long as possible. And if there was a place that we wanted to stop, we stopped. And it was never about this. This is really, really corny, but it was, it was almost all about, always about the smiles, not the miles. And that was a running joke with us. It was. There were some days when you had to push and there were some days when I really wanted to push and you start seeing that you're physically capable to do it. In the beginning, it, it, it never gets easier, um, but it, you just get used to it. And so I really wanted to experience as much of it as possible and make it last as long as possible. So how long did you make it last? Six months and three days. <laughs> ended up getting an extension <laughs> nice job I ended up getting an extension thank you I ended up getting an extension on my visa and um yeah I just we it took us six months and three days and then I spent some time up in Washington and sort of decompressing we didn't want to you build very tight relationships with the people that you finish with and um 
I'd met a special someone along the trail and we didn't really want it to be get to the northern terminus, hit and run. So we needed some time in Seattle afterwards to kind of slowly peel off in our own way until until you're the last one left. And it's this it's this round loop. I, I started on my own and I was standing in a train station in Seattle and I was back on my own and a lifetime had passed. And it like then a- it was just okay. It was a movie. It was every night you close your eyes and you you can sort of feel yourself walking again. It was the strangest thing when you when you've been in the in the sea for quite a while and you go back to your bed and you lie and you can sort of feel the waves going over you again. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was, I'd lie back in bed and I could feel myself walking again. And that was very strange. That was to finally not be walking after having done it every single day for six months. To finally just be still and be still for as long as you wanted to be. Then the internal working starts started happening, you know. What do you mean? I think I said earlier before we started the show that I didn't really realize there wasn't this great epiphany on the trail because you're too busy experiencing things to have this epiphany. It was only after the trail that you'd stopped walking and you'd stopped experiencing this, this magical life. If you start looking around the world around you and you, you just want to be back there. So you start thinking back to the things that happened there. And then the epiphany started slowly flowing in and then then the changes started getting noticed and then it was you'd I'd be listening to a song that I'd that I'd enjoyed listening to on the afternoon session you know after lunch you'd sort of do a session and then by three o'clock the sun's coming through the trees and it's a beautiful time to be walking through the woods and everything's just sort of like the day animals are going to bed and the night animals are coming alive and you've got some headphones in and you're listening to a song and this just purely walking and enjoy you've got enough water you've got enough food you know you're going to get to a camp and the peace just the simple peace was astounding you know and i'd listen to those songs again and i'd go back to it and it would take me there and i'd listen to that song and there's tears rolling down my face and i'm like why because i'm not there i'm not on the trail anymore and i'll I very desperately wanted to be, I nearly, 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 nearly went on another trail and um, mom and dad wouldn't have been too happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was very, very close to, and I, and I did come to a decision that that would be trying to grab at it and latch onto something and you have to let it go for the experience that it was, it was, and you will find other trails and you will have different experiences, but your first through hike, is there is nothing else like it in the world. If anybody that's listening to this is on the fence about whether or not to walk north or do any long trail, I'm begging you to please do it for yourself. You will, if you, even if you don't finish, even if you do five days, go out there and get on a long trail and just see the way of life. And it's, it's phenomenal. It really is. Can you close your eyes, particularly if you're playing a song from the trail, but can you close your eyes and 
picture or visualize yourself walking the trail? Definitely, without a doubt. I can picture the way my bag feel. I can feel my bag on my back. That becomes like a part of you. I can, I can hear certain things. You can smell things. I can, I can. There's some views that are just that just stand out. That are just that just blow your mind when you close your eyes and you have a dream about being back on trail. You wake up in an amazing mood. You know? I can close my eyes and, and very vividly meeting new people, meet, having conversations. Or getting to dinner and getting getting to camp and making dinner and being warm and sitting around and laughing and having a drink with your friends and, and laughing about the day and the uphill that you went over for the fifth time that ruined you and you're like oh how was that one oh it was a bugger hey yeah that was a real bugger oh what does tomorrow look like and somebody's got gut hook out and you're looking at tomorrow and be like oh you think today was tough tomorrow's going to be a nightmare and <laughs> those sections you there was never a, i won't say there was never a sense of dread it was it was always a sense of excitement and particularly the snow for me coming from south africa i'd never seen snow before in my life and i got to julian and we had a snowstorm and i was running outside catching snowflakes in my mouth and it went from being this very fluffy soft thing that you see in the movies to cursing the snow i mean we the post holing and climbing mount whitney and getting to the top of whitney through some of the some snow with an ice axe that i'd learned to use by watching a youtube video <laughs> and i mean not the best practice i'd really recommend learning how to use the thing before going up whitney those things like throwing snowballs at each other or flicking snow at each other with your trekking pole i mean being in a way a child again and you're allowed to be because the woods wants you to be that the woods and the forest and the mountains that wants you to just enjoy it and as long as you're out there enjoying it it gives so much back to you it really does I heard give something to the trail and it'll give it back to you. I went out there and I gave everything. I gave absolutely everything I could and it gave it all back to me tenfold. They also say that you pack your fears when you hit the trail. 100%. You do. You pack certain things with you that, am I going to finish this? I've told everyone I'm going. Uh, Are you going to? come back a failure that I couldn't do it I quit you know are there going to be times when I'm too scared to go on or I don't want to go on how am I logistically going to get north you know people plan for months before the trail that I'm going to do this many miles and I'm going to get to this stop and the planning stops the second you take a step away from the southern terminus it's completely completely true so I was very, very, uh, you do pack your fears without a doubt. You do. They stay in your bag, locked away until there's something out there that scares you more than what's in your bag. And then once you conquer that, the fears that were in your bag are no longer there anymore. It's this weight has been lifted from you. And what, what was that for you? Mather, Mather Pass, without a doubt. Why? Mather, 
climb, climbing matter because I'm not a fan of heights. I was never <laughs> a fan of, I'm not a fan of heights at all. And when you do the PCT, they say it, it's a hike. At some stages, there is mountaineering involved. Let me tell you that. At some stages, you are climbing, and they don't tell you that in the brochure. So um, you are climbing straight up a face at 6 o'clock in the morning, and you all of a sudden kicking steps up and using an ice axe. You're carrying a backpack on your bag, on your back that is close to 30 pounds, 35, 40 pounds because of all your snow gear and the food to get you through. And you look down and you're all of a sudden in a place where if you fall, you're not going to come off. You're not going to walk away from it. And I'd all of a sudden got myself into this situation and you, you can't turn around. You can't stop. Nobody else is going to carry your bag for you. You've gotten yourself into this situation. And now you have to get yourself out of it. And regardless of who you're with and their skill level, you're the one that's taking each and every single step. And when I got to the top of that, wasn't in the best mood because <laughs> of how scared I because of how scared I was and how I found myself being scared. But then again, you having these honest conversations with people around you because you are, you have been walking with them for the last month. So they see when you're off and it's not like a therapy session, but you do get to vent in a very, very honest way. And I was in a sense, a bit of ashamed of how scared I was, but then it was, well, did you get up it? Did you do it? And you were like, yes, I did. And then you look back on it and it was a low point on the trail for me, but looking back on it, it was a very, very positive experience. Now I know that I can, you can do those things, you know, and you have this new belief in yourself and okay, if I'm capable of that, what else am I capable of? And so I've carried that through into my life now that even if you're scared to do something, just one step at a time, put one forward in front of the other and focus on that. And it's really, really incredible the momentum you'll get from doing that. It's kind of philosophical, but it's the truth. Yeah, it's it's interesting how much I hear in talking with people about fear um, or being scared or that kind of thing, how confronting it, getting through it stretches what you have to what you find yourself afraid of the next time and the next time and the next time. And each time you push through that, your threshold for fear changes, but also your confidence that you can do it regardless of the fear. Completely. Completely. Once, once I'd gotten over that, I was like, bring it on. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's come on. Let's Trent. go. Let's yeah. Now. yeah. Let's get it on now. Yeah, you, you, you're not going to stop me with that. Then, then I'll be fine for the rest of the trail. And I was. I mean, the rest of the trail. The, the if it, everybody says you have massive highs and massive lows, and um, that was my low point. But looking back on it, was a real high point for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, for the rest of the, the, that was honestly the only time I really wasn't the happiest version of myself on the trail. <laughs> but the rest of the time was just pure bliss, pure ecstasy, just 
running around, screaming around the corners. Wow, look at that. Look at that. And then people are coming up behind you and they're howling at you. And you just all stand there and this hush comes over the group as you all just look at it and how small you feel, the grandeur, the epicness. And you got yourself here. Why isn't everybody here? Where is everybody? What are, <laughs> what is everyone doing? Come on, you know. It's like it's almost like I know, but it's almost like on the flip side of that is that if everybody knew that it was there, if everybody was there, that moment wouldn't exist. Oh yeah, because you'd have people just definitely talking away. Yes, definitely. That hush completely loses, and the the remoteness of the trail this year, in not having all those people around Mm -hmm. and not getting to a campsite with twenty people or thirty people. It made the social aspect less, but it made the realness of the trail. I'm not saying that people from previous years or from future years won't experience the real trail, but there definitely was this hush of you're in sacred ground. You're on a really beautiful part of the world. Well, I've heard some people describe it on each of the different trails that it was almost a little bit like nature started to kind of take back itself a little bit because you just didn't have the volume of people going through and um, the animals weren't as as cautious, so to speak, sometimes. Definitely. I mean, deer, everybody sees the deer and and squirrels and we saw a few bears and and the snakes and everything. But you, you can definitely feel the trail like, in five years, there won't be a trail because it'll just have closed back and taken itself back for it. So we're sort of there on borrowed time. Yeah. If, and huge shout out to the US, the US Forestry Service and the men and women who help do the trail maintenance on the Pacific Crest Trail. You guys are saints. They're amazing. I mean, they're out there with picks and axes with a horse and a faithful dog running behind them and they're out there helping us get north because some of them have tried, some of them have done the PCT. Yeah. Others of them have had friends and family that have done the PCT and others of them are just doing it because they like being outdoors. And so to all the people that help out on the trail there, man, you guys are amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. It's the truth. They're great guys. It it feels I think it feels sometimes like the trail is just magically there. Particularly the Pacific Crest Trail because it is yeah. so groomed. It's so clear, I guess. Yes. Yes. It's perfect. I mean, it's not a walk in the park by no means, but you aren't okay, there are some brushy sections, but you can see where they've taken the time and the effort to clear a path to make it easier for you. Because if they didn't do that, I'd probably still be out there. (laughs) And it would have been a completely different journey entirely. But I mean, and their conversations and the way they talked to us, I mean, they were just great. I mean, really they were, they really were. To people who left water out there for us, the simple act of that is I've said it before and I'll say it again, the kindness of the people associated with this trail, particularly for me, because I haven't experienced any other trail, but 
mm-hmm. was just it showed me a different side of humanity. And one of the changes I've had is I'd lost a bit of faith in humanity before I went on the trail. I wasn't the greatest fan of us. And coming out of it, there are people out there who go above and beyond for people that they will never and have never met. And that took some getting around. Yeah. Yeah. We all are infinitely dependent upon the kindness of strangers. But... It's weird, but we are. It's weird, but we are, especially on the trail, because there's some hitches where if you don't get it, you're walking really, really far along the road. And yeah. this was a tough year for that. You know, people didn't want to pick us up, but the people that did, they knew what we were going through. They knew the struggles. We were like, aren't you scared? And they were like, I need to be scared of people that have spent two weeks in the woods. <laughs> you're I mean, the safest you guys have just won meet. the social <laughs> yeah you've won the social distancing championship hands down there's no one near you and you were like oh we kind of see it that way as well you know <laughs> so it was very different viewpoints but very very cool these are these are the best type of stories honestly because cool it's it's almost like regardless of the story and the experience for each individual person, what's almost more important is that what comes through is the love for the trail. Um, oh yeah, man. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was, that was a very funny thing that word that you just said love, because I'm 32 years old now. And the last relationship that I'd had was when I was 19. And to go through your whole 20s without finding love was at one point you almost, can I love something or someone anymore? And along the trail, I was lucky enough to find the love of the trail and the love of somebody else, you know. And that was just phenomenal for me to, to just actually see that you can do it. And it was just one of the, it was one of the greatest gifts the trail gave me. So, yeah, it was just you do love the trail. You genuinely love it. And I'd do anything for it. You know, I donate where I can and help out where I can. And one day I hope to go back and do a little bit of trail magic for somebody just to show them that you're, you're doing the right thing and be there in the way that some random stranger was there for me, because it's not all about what you can get from it. It's about what you can give, give back. Do you feel like the trail loves you back? No. She kicked my ass every single day and <laughs> broke me. I was ruined. I was on ibuprofen, vitamin I from like three months in. I only she, recovered like fully like a month ago. But no, she loves us. She loves us. She's like that tough coach that keeps you moving forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But keeps you moving forward no matter what. Yeah. But but you got to do your wind sprints. It hard. Yeah, that's it. She makes you she makes you work for it. It's so true. <laughs> what did your trail name end up being? There were a few options on the table. Um Stoker went around for a while. Um and then it ended up being Tails. So Tails like That was stories? kind of self No, Tails as in like tail of an animal. Tail of a dog. Like a tail. Um 
that was just kind of self-given, self-accepted by the group because um, whenever I'd walk behind somebody, I'd kind of stick on their tail and they'd say, oh, do you want to go past them? I'd be like, nah, I'm fine. You know, I can get in a good rhythm and you'll break pace. And only later on did I realize that that's quite annoying when somebody just sticks on your tail like that. <laughs> a good and a bad thing, a good and a bad thing. So they, so the was dubbed. Yeah, tails was dubbed. That was it. <laughs> um, you had in in the few postings on social media that you did do, you had posted about a hundred kilometer day. Was yes, that yes, the biggest that you day. did? Biggest that I did. Yes, the furthest okay. that I'd ever walked sixty two miles in a day. So the sixty-two mile challenge from um, Mount Jefferson to Timberline Lodge in Oregon, and that was towards the end of the trail. And there were a few things that I wanted to see if I could do, and that was one of them. And in the beginning, my biggest day, the day my first day, I did eleven miles, and I was shattered. I was ruined, and that was with walking three miles and stopping for half an hour. You know walking two miles and stopping for 10 minutes and the mount that that day mount jefferson to timberline lodge me and a french guy pierre um we walked to timberline lodge together 62 miles through the night it took us 22 hours 33 minutes 22 hours and wow yeah and that was our that was an achievement that was i was really really happy about that did you arrive in time for breakfast we arrived in time for break. We arrived in time for beers. I can tell you that. We went straight to the bar. I can tell you that. We hobbled. We hobbled to the bar. But we were we were really, really happy. And then my longest day walking without stopping, putting my pack down or anything like that, just getting water was 22 miles. So it's these little hurdles. You find ways to keep you entertained out there between listening to podcasts, books, and music there's these little hurdles that you like to get over and little challenges that you make up for yourself along the way. That, oh, I don't know. It's pretty funny along the way, the ways you find to keep you busy out there. It can be very monotonous. It can be, it can be. There are days when it's not as fun as it's, as it should be. You know, my worst days were always days leaving town. It's always an uphill out of town. Your pack's always super heavy. <laughs> There's, you're inevitably only getting on trail at like 9 30, 10 o'clock. So the day is really, really long. And you kind of want to get away. And I don't mean this in a derogatory way at all, but the people that weren't hiking were affectionately named the muggles. And um you kind of you kind of want to get away from them pretty quickly. And uh, so your first day out of town is is generally a big day. And that can get really monotonous because you've just been in town, eaten as much food as you can, and your bag's really, really heavy. And then, and then it's the slog, and you know you've got a big day ahead of you, and it's going to be a long day. But then a day out of that, it's you see why you're out there very, very quickly as soon as you get to camp. I've heard that I've heard a lot of people describe Northern California as sort of the. The least favorite section of the trail. For me, it was Northern Oregon. Hmm. Um, I miss the mountains. I really, I really miss the mountains. You stay in the forest for quite a lot in um, Northern Oregon. 
And it's funny when you have a lot of gradient change, it breaks the day up. You know, once you get off over this big uphill, you might have a downhill and an uphill and you can get up. But when it's a long flat section, there's nothing that really breaks the day up or that you can set as a check checkpoint or a marker for where you want to stop. So that becomes Northern Oregon for me and the mosquitoes <laughs> got very, very old very, very quickly. Yes, that was oh, no. That's as that's as bad as people say. I tell you that. Take a head neck, folks, and learn to walk really quickly because they'll get you. Swarms of mosquitoes. Yeah. Just just clouds. And I'd walk with my headphones in because you can hear them just and if you wake up too late and you're not out before the sun's up, they're on you. And then that makes packing up in the morning just an absolute nightmare. And, um, yeah, that was tough. But, yeah, NorCal was – the thing about NorCal is you've just left the Sierras and the excitement is the levels are just through the roof. You did it. You got through the Sierras. And so I was riding that wave for a really long time. And then, of course, it's we're out of the States, you know. We're going to get out of California. And then <laughs> it's almost like this <laughs> – where are we walking? And there were a couple of times and it's like, oh, how long till we out of California? And we'd been out of California for like three days. And you're like, oh, we're actually in Oregon now. You know? And um, the scenery changes and the signs change and uh, people congratulate you. They're like, well done for making out of California. We know it's a long state, but you're in the friendlier state now. And <laughs> there's this rivalry. There's this crazy rivalry between states that I don't understand, but you American guys love it. You seem to bag on each other's states quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we have we have a little state rivalry. You do, you do. It's healthy rivalry, but there's definitely a there's definitely a rivalry there. Yeah. When you hit the the PCT, you hadn't Seen this, done the snow thing. I'm yeah. assuming you had never done like a rattlesnake thing. Um, no. What about like, I'm assuming no bears, um, you know, or no. some of those other animals as well. Like, what was that like for you as you came to well, each of them? Each of the hurdle. Well, coming from South Africa, you know, you're pretty accustomed to wild animals. It's not like they're on our doorstep or anything, but I'd seen my fair share of snakes. But the problem with the PCT is you are not a car ride away from a hospital. It is a lot more of a serious thing if you get bitten by a snake out there than if I were to get bitten by a snake at home because then it is the Garmin SOS button or you're hoping you're close enough to town because then it is a very, very serious situation. So when we did come across rattlesnakes and things like that it was a more cautious route than just being like okay we probably shouldn't walk with both our headphones in blaring music because we won't hear them rattling okay it'll be one headphone from now and you learn that you learn that lesson very very quickly um when you step right next to them and all of a sudden they're there um so yeah that 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 was something to that was a first for me um but i'd hiked before I mm-hmm. think somebody that just goes from with no hiking experience and never put on a backpack in their life to going to the PCT is maybe borderline naive. I know people have done it. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd hiked before at home. So I kind of knew what I was getting into 
in terms of in terms of that. What was was Mather's Pass the most difficult day for you, or was there a another day that was? Uh, mentally, yes. Mentally, yes. Mather was was really really difficult. Whitney was also really difficult. Again, my lack of snow experience, and you are in the no fall zone where if you do slip you're going to come short and really badly. I mean, we had a death on the trail um, last year. Um, Microsoft, wherever you are, man, I hope you're happy up there, brother. Um, But that really hit home. That really made it a reality that it's not a walk in the park. So Mather was a hard day for me. Climbing Whitney was a hard day for me. And then doing the 62 miles, but that was, I made that hard for myself. It wasn't the terrain making it hard for me. But there is a difference between physical toughness and mental toughness. Yeah. Um, some days you just don't want to do it. And there's no need to feel guilty that you're not having the best experience out there. And somebody might be having a fantastic day and they're enjoying the terrain. But when you are beating through the bush for three or four hours, and okay, when is this going to end? And the stream that you thought was going to be running isn't running and your snacks are packed really deep in your, deep in your bag. And are you going to get them out now or should you just try and push for camp? And, you know, and then you sometimes get to camp and a spot for five people is literally a spot for one. And those little frustrating things come and go. It's it it really is like water off a duck's back. You don't worry about it. But uh definitely some days are harder than others. It feels like that's also part of the overall experience of you can face your fear, you can do hard things, you can do monotonous things, um yes. you can do long things. It's like all of these little uh, best word I have is little things that you pick up from doing the trail that that seem insignificant but aren't but aren't I mean I think what you're trying to get to get it to is doing something monotonous and pushing through it in a positive light but there's a benefit to doing that you know like working a nine-to-five it is monotonous but if you can do it and you can have a plan for when you do it you're saving up for something better and to have a positive attitude while you're doing something monotonous. Like I said before, one step at a time, focus on what you're doing now. Don't let the external forces deter you or detract you. Just focus on you, stay in your lane. And all of a sudden you lift your head up and the metaphorical view to the entire value is there in front of you. And you look back at what you've done and you were just like, it actually wasn't that bad. And this is what I mean by the trail giving stuff to you. It teaches you how to deal with hard days, good days, bad days, you know, monotony, anger, frustration. It's all, it's out there all. Everything is out there. This range of emotions, phenomenal. Yeah. Did you do much night hiking? Not much. It was the one night that we did, um, the 62 mile challenge. That was, that was the only night that I hiked. Some people, uh, did the aqueduct at night, but we didn't really need to because we started early enough. So there was enough water. And, um, 
I don't know. For some reason, I didn't really feel the need to night hike. I mean, I had my head torch on some of the times, and sometimes we'd walk into the night or we'd start really, really early in the morning at like two o'clock in the morning to try and beat the post holing of the snow. And that's incredible. I mean, you walk under the stars and the snow's really hard, so you're super grateful. And that's really, really cool. But there was never an objective to walk, to like sleep until five o'clock in the afternoon and just straight from night. No, were no, 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 not really that early. Were you up in the Sierras and doing that early rise in order to get the, the good snow? Uh, with like a full mm. moon or or whatever, where it almost like oh, the moon yeah. is lighting everything for you. Definitely, we had that one night, and that was just we had the whole range of it. I mean, we had everything. We had nights when there was no moon at all, and the stars. It's literally like somebody's dipped a paintbrush in white paint and splattered it across the sky. Tonight, that there's a full moon, and you can see each other, and it's. The light come, the moonlight comes through the clouds, and then all of a sudden you think, "Oh, there's a car up the road," and it's not; it's the moon rising, you know. And there was definitely nights like that. We had this entire range of 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 this. We had it all. We had, we had it all. We had it. We had the whole trail to ourselves, and we had it all. It was just, man, it was nice. Eh? It was so good. It was almost like nature gave you the buffet and said, "What would you like?" Yes. What would you like today? Would you like a moon? No moon. Would you like stars? How about this lake that's surprisingly warm and uh, <laughs> this crystal clear spring that's super refreshing and really cold after your long uphill that you've just done that I would curse. And I mean, just even to seeing animals and walking and then all of a sudden there's a deer there and I know people hate against hate the deer. Or whatever, <laughs> no, but they I mean, do. <laughs> they hate on the deer, and I don't know why. But you're there, and you almost stop, and they look at you, and you look at them, and they don't run away. They know that you're just walking through, passing through, and you take your photo of the stupid deer or cool deer. Off you go, and you carry on walking, and there's almost this like, cool. I'm just here doing my thing. You just there doing yours, and carry on along the trail keep walking <laughs> I, I could see um it would be hysterical but the movie in my head is you have a deer who's eating somebody walks by yeah. they you know get their their camera out to take the picture and the, the deer looks up poses you get the picture yeah. and then they kind of do that 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 dude nod you know like uh yeah yes you know, i'm gonna go back exactly 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 i'm gonna do i see you bro i see you <laughs> Uh, it's exactly that. <laughs> um, yeah, there were, and the squirrels as well. Oh, we went a bit mad out there, I tell you. Did you start making friends with some funny things? <laughs> Did you have, because um, squirrels, particularly as you're walking by them and whatever, can tend to uh, yell at you, so to speak? Yes, yes, yes. We had, um, what was that flipping mouse? A pika. There's a pika in the in the hills. <laughs> And we, we'd affectionately call it a koala mouse because it's got big ears like a koala. Mm-hmm. And these guys screeched you. And you'd, I'd be walking along the trail and this koala mouse would be shouting at me. And then I'd catch myself having a full-blown conversation with the thing, being like, oh, hello, koala mouse. How are you today? Oh, I'm just passing through. I've got a lovely view here. And you stop and you're like, what are you talking to? Are you, are you, are you mad? 
just let me eat my Snickers and carry on walking down the trail, you know. <laughs> Blah. <laughs> it is one way to uh, to break up the monotony. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. And I mean, you know, audio books. You, so I've learned a surprising amount while I was out there. You know, you put on an audio book, and next minute you're five chapters down. Yeah. You at lunch, and and I mean the podcasts as well. Learning things from podcasts and stuff like that. It's, the people, uh, some people say, oh, it's a waste of time, and you don't learn anything. All you do is learn. You learn a lot. You learn more than you think you'll learn. And with the advent of technology and stuff like that, I mean, some people wouldn't want to listen to music. They just want to listen to the sounds of nature. And you see them a month later and they've got headphones in and they're just listening to whatever they want to listen to. So, you know, technology was there um, and that is becoming more and more of a part of the trail. Yeah. And you can embrace it, but it's there. It's there if you need it. And if you don't want to have it, just leave it in the shoulder strap. Yeah. It's, all, it's everybody's personal choice on any pers- any given yeah, day. Yeah, definitely. On any given day, you know, some people might not listen to music at all, and some people might need to listen to music because there's a guy snoring in the tent next to them, you know. And I cannot even imagine that can happen. That can happen. That can happen. But we, t- like I say, we we really did have the trail to ourselves, and we were so lucky and so fortunate to to just have the pick of the campsites, and you'd walk past a phenomenal campsite, and oh, we'll just go see what the next one is, and then you get to the next one, and it's even better, and you're just like, oh man, oh man. This is just, this is phenomenal. Uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about that we should? Um, I met someone on trail. I'd like to mention her, if you don't mind. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we met on day one. She was really one of the very, we met wow. on day one. We were very, um, just met randomly. Nothing came of it. We ended up spending six months and three days walking north. And we fell in love along the way. And it wasn't just a trail fling. It's still Austin. She's in the Netherlands. I'm in Costa Rica. And <laughs> through a mutual, through a mutual love of hiking, we met each other and it's become something that's, we, we have, we have common ground. We helped each other through a lot and she was really special. So shout out to her. Cracks, if you're listening, hey girl. <laughs> um, but yeah, that and then I was going to write some things down, but it's been such a crazy day being on the boat because we're moving now. Sorry, that's why the signal was probably dropping out. No um, you also seem the window or something also seems to open all of a sudden because you've got bright light. No, there. we're going past. I'll show you. That's that's the window. There's the sea. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're at sea now, just moving the boat for the evening. Ah, got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but there was just the people, I mean, a guy gone, he was the South Korean that I met, and he didn't speak a word of English when he started the trail. And the bravery, that the, the bravery that takes that man to come to a foreign country and try and do the journey that he did was yeah. really special. So shout out to him and to everybody else that I walked with and I met, guys, won't be the won't was the first, but it definitely won't be the last. Seeing him do that, like that, meaning with literally no English and and what have you, did mm. that? 
make you think about um, things that you could do of that nature as well, like dropping yourself. Oh, I definitely go to a yeah, I definitely go to a foreign country. I never thought I'd go to a foreign country. I mean, I've traveled quite extensively in my life, but it's always been to countries where English is a, is the main language, mm-hmm. and you all of a sudden realize, hey, there there are all these possibilities out there. I mean, Japan, for example. I mean, I really want to go and do a walk in Japan, um, and just to experience. What have you have? Um, I there's an episode coming up. That will that will drop before your episode, but um, uh, I spoke with a, a guy who did the Shikoku uh, pilgrimage trail around. Oh, it's no basically way. a around. Uh, it's a trail that goes eighty eight temples, and it goes around Shikoku Island, and it looked and sounds amazing. I want to do phenomenal. That. I'm in. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we have to meet one day when we're out there. The next thing for me up next is Tia Aura twenty twenty two. New Zealand, um, yep. and then definitely in future, in the future, my triple crown, um, okay. the buttons bitten and 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 really bitten hard, and um, the lifestyle of an expedi- of an expedition, the the lifestyle that's surrounded with working for a period of time and then making sure that my life is filled with these adventures. Life is an adventure, but there are places you can put yourself that really push you that really drive you and um that's what i'm seeking now you are you've opened a can of worms you know (laughs) when you do something like this and uh yeah just be prepared for just be careful what you wish for when you go out there because you just might get it all yeah i I've, i've said that to a couple of people that having spoken now with with so many of you and and hear how your lives have changed and been changed by doing the trail. Um, it is sort of like opening a can of worms, and it's like, okay, like what 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 do I think of now that I'm like, ah, I would never want to do that. And all of a sudden, I'll get on the other side yes. of a trail and go, that sounds great. <laughs> yes, that sounds phenomenal. I mean, I can definitely see you out there on 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 the trail and. Um... Tales from the trail with Aaron, you know, exactly. carrying a little microphone and a speaker and being out there and getting a first-hand account of what's going on that day at that moment in time, you know. And uh, I said before the episode that you've given people a platform now. And yeah. by doing that, I, I really hope you get something in return for it. Um, and thank you just for the space, you know. It's post-hike depression is a real thing. Um, leaving a trail you you can read as many books as you want but until you're sitting in a hotel room alone and your trail family is not there and the trail life isn't there and you're now thinking about what you're eating and you can't eat the jar of Nutella every day and you have to start thinking about the real world and you're thousands of miles away without the ability to go home and looking at the photos and realizing just how much you miss it we need the community, you know, as much as the community needs us to help it keep it alive and help keep businesses afloat, we need it too. We, we really need to be there for each other and speaking to other hikers about how it changed their lives. Um, just mentioning a few names, Jay Shotwell, Jay, if you're out there, Jay Bird, man, the lessons I learned from you and um, Brock Barry, you know, uh, you, you served in the military, you know, dealing with the PTSD coming through the trail and the things that he helped me through get 
helped me get through with him. I mean, I stayed with him after the trail. Um, people like that, you know, that have really traumatizing life events and their take on it and how they help you move past what you're going through and the depression that I felt afterwards about not being on the trail. I really, I didn't think I'd struggle as much as I did, but it took me about two, three months to really, really come right again and be okay with not being on the trail because it becomes the safe space Mm -hmm. as much as people think. I mean, my biggest worries in the world were food, water, and where I was going to camp for the night and how many miles I was going to do. I wasn't worried about bulls or anything. You're, you're, it's the basics. You're, you're, and once the basics were covered, had enough water, had enough food, I knew where I was walking. Everything else boils down to enjoying what's around you. It's life in its simplest form, in the most purest way you can live it, while still having an objective and a sense of accomplishment that each step you took every single day was one step closer to your goal took a step i'd accomplished that i'm closer to canada now than i was five steps ago <laughs> you accomplish something every day just by keeping going and you don't get that in the real world you it takes a long time to to have a sense of accomplishment and just simply by being on the show today you know i've accomplished something i've been able to speak to the community that gave me so much and say thank you to them you know, and thank you to you and that's what it comes down to is we are here for each other. We are still hikers. I'm still part of a WhatsApp group with my friends that I made along the trail and I can send them stupid photos and we do have stuff to relate to. And I changed in the fact that I'm not so much a people person. I'm more of, I've got a small circle and the circle got smaller, but it got a lot, lot tighter. Those people have, uh, have seen you at your best and your worst without a doubt without a doubt without a doubt no and when you do say they've seen you at your best they have seen you at the best version of you hiking will bring that through hiking will bring that out of you if you're worried about your image across the world or you're worried about am i a good person or how am i going to interact go on a long hike Go for, the Aborigines do it. They go on a walkabout. People have been pilgrimaging since the dawn of time. You know, cultures around the world call it different things. They go and experience a walk in nature because it cleans you, it frees you, it gives you something that you will not get by being in a socialized situation with too many people talking. You need time on your own. You're hardly ever alone. From the time you're born until the time you die, you might have brief moments of loneliness, but put yourself in a situation when you're just with nature and oh, it really, really, really does teach you a lot. Hey? Wow, 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 wow. I'll be walking for the rest of my days. As long as I'm able to walk, I'll be walking. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's in your blood now. It's in my blood. It's in my blood now. Many people have said it and Many people will say it before, and if one day, I mean, we didn't have trail days because of the COVID thing, but if one day there's a hiking convention or somebody puts out that there will be a hike and the all-star hike, you know, there's there's people that are known in the community now, Arby Tats, uh, Tip Tap, you know, just to name a few, there are a couple of others. And, you know, Darwin, Dixie, there are people that 
uh, that are out there, you know, that if they say, hey, we did this hike, they've, they've got this aura about them. Mm-hmm. I hope to be, if not famous, I just hope to be a voice of conviction to say, do it. If you're on the fence, mm-hmm. if you need a sign to say, go on to do it. Here's your I'm sign. I'm telling you now. Here's the sign. Read it. Open your eyes. Listen to what I'm telling you. Go and walk north. Uh, so where can people where should people find you if they have questions or um want to just confirm that the sign is telling them what they think it's telling them yeah definitely um my instagram is public so they can hit me up on that uh daniel underscore sun underscore sa d-a-n-i-e-l underscore sun s-o-n underscore s-a um and i'll answer any questions day or night i mean i love it to talk anything hiking anything gear even if you're just feeling depressed and you miss the trail let's have a conversation you know talk it out and um if you've got questions about anything really anything hiking i mean the doors open the 10 flaps open so to speak and let's share a granola bar and <laughs> talk about why yeah, let's share, let's share Snickers and, and, and get down to the to the nuts and bolts of why we're out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. What was your favorite... I should rephrase that. What was one of your favorite days out on the trail? Or in those six Good months question. and three days? In those six months and three days, um, the top of Forrester Pass because there's this stigma surrounding Forrester. There's this, if you get to Forrester, that's, that was one of my favorite days was getting to the top of Forrester and we were in a group and we were all just talking and laughing and giggling. And there's this huge valley that you see. And it was almost like, oh, let's get on down it, you know? And by then the snow confidence was, was coming, you know, then, it was still before Mada. I was still naive, <laughs> but it was, it was really, that was a really good day. That was a standout day. Um, crossing into Oregon, standout day. Um, goat rocks in Washington. Amazing day. Really, really good day. Um, couple of days in some random lakes, just scorching hot. All the clothes are off and you're just running, jumping into this crystal clear water. Um, yeah, some really, really standout moments, you know, and definitely day one. Taking the first step, touching the monument that so many others have touched before me, and to be able to say that I was there, surprisingly, day one. Day one, mile one, step one was one of the best days of my life. And coming down with me, yeah. <laughs> coming down the backside of with me. I've got a, I'll, I'll send you a few videos, Erin. I'll send you a few videos and you can tell me. Perfect. Do you ever plan to post your vlogs that you were doing? I do. Yes, I do. I do. I have been working on it and I'm trying to put something together. Um, but me and computers are not really great. Um, definitely. I've got so much footage and it, it, I did keep a daily vlog of everything. And um, I really do plan to release something out just to show people the side of the trail that I think it'll be different for everybody. Um, but for me, this is the side of the trail that I really think speaks volumes for 
why it is there, why it should be done, and the group of people that do it, what you're getting yourself into. Be careful. They are crazy, as crazy as you, and you will love them for it. Everybody's crazy in the best way possible? Yes, 100%. Crazy in the best way possible. Go down the rabbit hole um, and have fun. And life's about having fun. I know there's, we're going through some really serious times and people are taking it on their chin, but just have fun. And when you're out, you're allowed to have fun. Don't feel guilty for having fun, or having a good time or being a dork and throwing snow at each other and putting rocks in each other's bags. And, you know, <laughs> like just have fun. It's, you're allowed to do it. So you might as well do it and enjoy it along the way. thank you to Daniel for sharing his stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. If you want to see our conversation, we now also have a video version of this podcast on our website at hiking-through.com or you can go directly to our brand new Hiking Through channel on YouTube. On next week's episode, I'll be talking with Megan Harmon, also known as PCT Amputee, about her 2019 through hike attempt. I hope that this conversation... These conversations inspire you to get out there and have a few hiker trash moments of your own. And if you're not really a hiker, maybe it'll get you out there for some trail magic or trail angeling. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs> <laughs>